Hello again, everyone, and welcome to it. It is the Derek Hunter Podcast, the 12th day of April 2023. Tax day is approaching, and I still haven't done it. God, I'm an idiot. I hate it. I hate it. I'm going to have to have them done this year. Anyway, appreciate you listening, downloading, sharing, telling a friend, all that good stuff. If you would mind, help with that burden. Check out patreon.com slash Derek Hunter Podcast or DerekHunter.locals.com. And uh, support the show five bucks a month, please, if you please. Appreciate the hell out of it. Plus, you can enter to win either Mike Huckabee or Sandra Day O'Connor autographed book this week. That's the contest. So it's not like it's for nothing. You get stuff that's a higher resale value than what it costs to enter. So you got that going for you. All right, enough. Let's start so we can get done. Action-packed program for you today. There's a lot going on, a bunch of things to talk about, and you sit there, and I, I don't know where to start. The uh, We'll get to Tennessee in a bit, watching these morons down there. Did anybody really think these expulsions were going to be permanent, honestly? I mean, I guess moronic leftists did, like, well, we'll put them right back in there, and we'll show them. Like, yeah, that's... Kind of the thing. Republicans knew that they were never going to keep these morons out. And they knew that anybody who would send these people is not particularly bright enough to go, hey, these people aren't uh, very effective leaders. Maybe this gives us an opportunity to go with somebody else. I mean, for God's sakes, every time a major city, had, like Chicago just elected, they got rid of Lori Lightweight, and they said, we, we want to go crazier which makes it difficult to care that people are killing themselves in Chicago. It's like, all right, go ahead. When you give Democrats, loyal, blindly loyal Democrats, a chance to a, a do-over, I guess would be a better way to put it. You give them a do-over. They're going to go, well, we'll do worse then. We'll do worse. Like, if you want to screw yourself over, I don't care. I don't live where you live. If that's what you want to elect, go ahead and elect it. But then don't sit around and go, man, things are unfair. Things are so bad. What's going on? I don't get it. Everything is so terrible. Yeah, I know. Well, you you know, when you, you flush or you elect what you should flush as quality of representatives, this is what you get. But then again, if the district is inclined to elect somebody like these morons, you're not going to probably... Get somebody else. You know, they always say, well, the cream rises to the top. Certain turds float, too. Anyway, we'll get to that in a bit. But I want to start off with the declaration. It is over. Congratulations to everybody. We have lived through the pandemic. Yesterday, the Biden administration. It's amazing they did this without any fanfare whatsoever. They did this without drawing attention to it in any way, shape, or form. But Joe Biden has officially declared to end the pandemic, officially. It's kind of like, oh, okay, well, thanks, Joe. Welcome to this. You're the the last person on the face of the earth who uh, 
to recognize this, but with it, it, this matters in that it gets rid of a lot of emergency powers. It's going to make for an interesting argument before the Supreme Court. Um, I don't know if they'll factor this in because the guise under which Joe Biden authorized the uh, absolution of responsibility for student loans was that we were in the midst of a pandemic, an emergency, and emergency powers gave it to him. Now that he's given up these emergency powers, I'm not sure what that does for the case. I don't know that the court can, since the court already heard oral arguments, I think they probably had to, uh, probably had to factor in the arguments at the time, the situation at the time, not since they've changed. It's like, if a course in the deliberative process on a principle, a legal principle, and then the plaintiff dies or the defendant dies, well, maybe the defendant dies. I don't know if they just go, all right, well, screw it. They're dead. Never mind. We've, we worked on this. We're ready to rule, but we're not going to. I don't know. It'll be interesting to see. But uh, CBS News reporting, President Biden on Monday signed a Republican-authored bill, see bipartisanship, terminating the national emergency over the COVID-19 panic a day before the White House said, had said the president would unilaterally end national emergency declarations related to the pandemic. Don't you love it? He signs a bill. It's, the pandemic is over. Congress declares it to be so. The president signs this and says, we're going to end these anyway. Why didn't you? Well, uh, the White House had opposed the GOP proposed measure, which gained some bipartisan support in Congress, even though the White House planned to end emergency declarations on May 11th. The White House had said the legislation would, quote, create wide-ranging chaos and uncertainty throughout the health care system for states, for hospitals, for doctor's offices, and most importantly, for tens of millions of Americans. For tens of millions of Americans, now suddenly we're all... Did you notice, if you go into the market in the last 24 hours, have you noticed people wandering around like zombies or hoarding canned goods or whatever? People just simply lost as to what to do. The left has... No faith in your ability to function as an adult human being in any way, shape, or form. They truly believe that you need them to make basic decisions for you, down to what type of light bulb you're allowed to buy. They're getting ready to reban the incandescent light bulb. Why? Because why not? Because they can't. Because big incandescent light bulb doesn't donate to Democrats as much as poisonous, cancerous, you know, carcinogenic, uh, fluorescent light bulbs do. Seriously, you don't. If you break one of those things, you need a hazmat suit to to clean it up. I mean, unless you want to die. So I mean, it's up to you. But it is amazing how these people function. In, I mean, Democrats, what do you, there was a video, I'm not going to play the audio, but there was two trannies, uh, Dylan Mulvaney and the other guy that is like Dylan Mulvaney light. They both talk all breathy like that. They're both doing weak imitations of girls. And they're talking about how they identify with girlhood, how they identify with girl. Now, these men are in their 20s. They're in their 30s, probably one of them, if not more. And they're sitting there talking about how they identify with their girlhood. I don't know a single adult woman who talks about their girlhood, who talks about how girly they are. They don't use that word. If you call them a girl, they'll correct you because they have self-respect and dignity. 
They have the wisdom that comes with age. But men putting on woman face and pretending why they they talk about their girl. Do you identify with girlhood? I sure do. Yeah, girlhood. So you're thinking of like teenage, preteen? Is that who you want to hang out with? Is that who you're down with? Is it because maybe it is. Honestly, if you told me that this was all a big ruse to get into underage girls' locker rooms, because age is next. I don't know, age and race, about the only two things left that you can't simply declare yourself to be something else. And if they get age, these people are going to be showering with younger kids. Because why not? You know, who are, I need to go back to high school because I identify as a teenage girl. Let's hit the gym, girls. Now let's hit the locker room, girls. No, it's not perversion. Anyway, that's a unnecessary tangent, but still relevant to the news today. Back to the uh, story. The new law immediately ends the national emergency and public health emergencies first enacted during the Trump administration and continued through the Biden administration. Blah, blah, blah. The law also abruptly ends Title 42, the pandemic-era rule that has blocked undocumented immigrants from crossing the southern border, citing public health reasons. But the White House has said that policy is subject to a U.S. Supreme Court case and it intends to wind down the program. So there you go. They're going to open the southern border further. They're going to use, they've been trying to do that forever. But now the pandemic is done. What does this do for the paranoid? Well, Paranoid will still be able to be free and do whatever you want. You still see them out there, people wearing masks and whatnot. And I'll tell you, I have a different attitude a little bit after the uh, pandemic, just a little bit of uh, reflections on the pandemic. It was at uh, my daughter's soccer practice yesterday. And uh, some it, it, this is just good decency. This has nothing really to do with COVID. I just became acutely aware of it during COVID. There's some little kid out there running around hacking up a lung like he's a three-pack-a-day smoker in the middle of the field. And just, it sounds it sounds like an adult coughing. And I'm like, why in the hell did you bring your kid to this? It's not allergies. Some people will say, well, it's allergies. It's, this isn't an allergy cough. This is a, he was sick kind of cough. I told my daughter to stay away from him just because... Not because of COVID fears, because I don't want my kids getting sick. People everywhere, ever since the one thing that, a couple of things the pandemic did. It made me acutely aware of how often I touch my face, right at the beginning. Now that it's over, we can look back and reflect. It made me acutely aware of how often I touch my face. The glo- Remember when we were told, wear gloves, wear a mask, wear a helmet, wear, uh, I don't know, whatever. And you're like, what the hell? And certain places were like, don't come in here without... You got to go to Target or get in line or book a time to go into certain stores. And I remember the the glove served one and only one purpose. Aside from, well, two purposes. I made mean, my hands sweat ridiculous amounts. But it made me aware of how much, how often I touch my face. Because I don't want to touch my face with a latex glove all over my hands. Like, you become aware of it. And you go, my God. I know that doctors always say you touch yourself like 40 times an hour, whatever the hell the statistic was. You touch yourself. That's why a lot of people get sick. That's why you get sick in general. You go around, you touch doorknobs, you're touching all these things, and then you're picking at your teeth, you're picking your nose, you're scratching your eye, you're doing whatever it is you do 
when you think nobody's looking, for some reason, people in automobiles believe that they are visually impenetrable fortresses of solitude, and they do some really incredibly gross things at stoplights. Um, And you're like, everybody sees you. Everybody sees you. But you become acutely aware of it when you got this glove on. You're like, huh. And I've actually been sick less frequently, knock on wood, after that because, well, I still touch my face and still itch my eye and still do all those gross things I alluded to at stoplights, I do them less frequently because I'm aware of them. The other thing that the pandemic did is it just made me realize how gross other people are. When people are coughing and hacking up a lung and it's like, cover your mouth. The times that... We've gone, uh, the wife and I, we did our uh, honeymoon in Ireland listener thing back in whatever it was at uh, my old job. And then we went back, we went back when the baby was about to be born. And both times we got sick on the, uh, not on the plane, but after, while we were there in one case, because everybody's hacking all over. It's like a symphony of. Cover your mouths. I wanted to like yell at. I, I wanted to yell at. I'm a horrible parent when it comes to watching practices and scrimmages and things like that because there are too many kids doing so many stupid things that they don't notice anything. The coaches and I had to bite my tongue. But one of the things I didn't really want to bite my tongue about was this idiot hacking up along. But now the pandemic is over. So we're free. I wonder what this means to all the vaccine mandates around the country that were based on government declarations and government decrees. Are those over as well? Will corporate America follow? Were the corporate America mandates and decrees dependent upon the the government's declaration of emergency? I don't know. It'll be interesting to see, but it's over. And uh, now the Republicans really need to get into the fight about all the emergency measures that are still in place in the states regarding voting, that are in place in purple states regarding voting. If you have, like in Pennsylvania, I imagine there are still measures in place that aid Democrats. The legislature can repeal them all they want. The Democratic governor is never going to give that up, especially going into a presidential election year where Pennsylvania matters. It's going to require lawsuits. I don't know this to be true. I don't know this not to be true. But if Republicans were smart, and any time you place a caveat at the beginning of a statement of if Republicans were smart, you can sadly often rightly assume that Republicans are not smart. But if Republicans were smart they would have already had all of these things ready, at the ready to go. The declaration is done. These things need to be repealed. These laws need to be reverted back to where they were. That's what should happen. Because to worm their way through the court system in time for the 2024 election, regardless of who nominees, you can fight over who the nominees are. If the referees are Democrats... The nominees will matter very little. If the referees and the rule makers are the people who gave us 2020 and 2022, 
who the candidates are in 2024 is almost irrelevant. So I hope to God that uh, Ronna McDaniel and all the clowns over at the RNC for once, I mean, this is her fourth term or whatever, sooner or later she's got to get it right, right? Sooner or later she's got to get out in front of things. Hopefully she will get out in front of this and in the states where it matters, in the states where things can get done legally, not legislatively, but through legal action, they need to happen and they need to start happening yesterday, which means I don't have a whole lot of faith in any of it getting done, but I thought I'd at least throw it out there. You can, you can dream, can't we? Yeah, we can. In other news going on out there, let's see. It's kind of funny because the, the media is such an obedient lapdog to Joe Biden, to these people out there, to this this leftist ideology that you're almost embarrassed for them. If you were if they were decent human beings, you would you would pull them if they were your friends, people you liked, people you cared about, you'd pull them aside and go, you're kind of I mean you're you're making a fool of yourself. Yeah, everybody knows that one friend who's just drinks too much and everybody drinks too much, especially when they're younger, but most people can handle it. Everybody's got that person who just can't. They either become Mr. I want to fight everybody. Who do you think you are? What are you doing looking at me? Don't talk to me in that way. You will respect me. They become Eric Cartman on a bad day. Or they become sloppy, crumbly, hang on people drunk right before they fall down and pass out. I don't know which one you are. I don't recommend being either. If you're not either, then you're good. You're one of we sane people who have to sooner or later pull them aside after many conversations with their friends and go, you kind of, you know, you make everybody uncomfortable. It's a little embarrassing. When you drink and pass out on the floor of the bar in the, in the bench, it's embarrassing. Or when you, every time we go to this place, you want to start a fight. You need to control yourself or we're not going to like invite you out anymore. Everybody's had to have that conversation with somebody in their lives. It's different for women, but I don't want to be accused of horrible sexism when I point out what stereotypes of, of women are. So women can make it up for themselves. Well, at some point, you would think journalists would pull each other aside and go, yeah. You're kind of embarrassing yourselves. You'd think that would have happened with like Jim Acosta and the Trump administration. Right? <laughs> Just like Jim, Jim, I look, I, I appreciate the the spirit and even the sentiment. We're right there with you here at CNN, but you're so stupid. Like you, you just don't, you don't seem to do any of the basic research required for a middle school paper in your questioning so that when you open your mouth, you reflect poorly not just on yourself and your network, but on everybody in the entire profession. In fact, what you do reflects poorly on bipeds, Jim. And you really need to, to you, you disgrace the entire species. So we're going to need you to, I don't know, do do some be a little better at your job. Maybe if you need help, you know, get a buddy. We're all willing. We've all talked. We're all willing to help you. 
run your questions by us and we'll help you formulate them we'll help you fact check them we'll make it so you don't look like a complete and total moron if you don't mind nobody did that to jim acosta nobody's going to do that to these clowns in the media in general but every once in a while they do try to pretend to be doing their jobs Yesterday was one of those days where the media was asking questions about whether or not they would be allowed or able to ask questions directly of the president. Now, sooner or later, you've got to get bored of talking to a three-ring binder, right? Don't you? Karine Jean-Pierre is so historically bad at her job that if you're looking to use snippets from the White House daily press briefing in your video report in your news channel, you almost can't. It gets harder and harder and harder. If you really, if you watch it back when Sean Spicer was press secretary, Sean Spicer was on the nightly newscast. They'd show clips of the interactions, of the answers that Sean Spicer give. Kaylee McEnany, same thing. Even with Ginger Goebbels, she was there she could string together a coherent sentence. It was BS, but she could do it. She could talk. Karine Jean-Pierre provides unusable visuals. She's looking down. She's got that shiny, glossy uh, eye shadow. So it really highlights the fact that she's looking down and reading. She can't even read, though. That's the thing. Is in she's. A lot of people make fun of the way Christopher Walken speaks. Now, they, uh, the story is, as I understand it, about Christopher Walken, the way Christopher Walken speaks is that he, it's a little bit like Shatner, but more so. And he, The way I understand, this could be wrong, but it makes sense a little bit, is that Christopher Walken requests scripts without punctuation. It might just be hyperbole because that's how he, he delivers the lines, but they request scripts without punctuation his, so he can decide where to pause and pause wherever it just occurs to him to pause, and that's why you get some really interesting... It's fun to do a Christopher Walken impersonation. Corinne Jean-Pierre is kind of the same way, except Chris, Christopher Walken delivers his lines the way a human being would. Karine Jean-Pierre reads her script in real time like it's not only the first time she's ever read these this sentence, like it's she does it like it's the first time she's ever seen these words. And that's different. That's very different. And it makes for really unusable video. You're like, well, the White House today said that, and you, you see the reporter on NBC, ABC, CBS, the reporter gives you the gist of what Corinne Jean-Pierre said. The White House today said blah, blah, blah. And then you, if they don't cut, maybe they'll have B-roll of Corinne Jean-Pierre talking because she's historic and they want to celebrate diversity or whatever. But they cut to her for very short periods of time on the times when she does manage to belch out a sentence. Otherwise, they speak on her behalf. But when it comes to the president, they do want a chance, these reporters do want a chance to ask him questions. 
Not tough questions, not particularly interesting questions, certainly not the questions you or I would ask were we given the opportunity to ask the president questions, which is why we will not be allowed within a country mile of this moron, but questions nonetheless. See, when you are as dumb as Joe Biden is, and with all due respect to dumb people, when you are as dumb as Joe Biden is, you don't need tough questions to make yourself look like an idiot. You don't need tough drilling down somebody demanding answers, interactions with the press to say something wildly stupid. You need the opportunity. Joe Biden will be asked questions. When he's asked questions, he gives you what the teleprompter, what the the handlers, what the people who tell him what to say have told him. And every once in a while, there's that pause where you can feel the rear ends of everybody in the White House communications team and really the inner circle of the president. You can feel their rear ends clench. They just clench. Is he going to stop or is he going to keep talking? Because he's out of what we gave him. I hope to God he stops. And sometimes he stops and they relax. And the coal falls out of their rear end because why wouldn't they shove coal up there? They get so tense that they can make diamonds. They can make a little extra income. And other times, Joe Biden doesn't stop. Joe Biden keeps going and they clench and that diamond is birthed. And you just have to sit there and go, what in the hell? Well, the reporters want this. They want the chance to ask easy questions of the commander-in-chief. They have not had a press conference in, I don't know, has it been a year at the White House? They don't do them because Joe Biden is bad at them, and he's getting worse and worse and worse at them. And what do I mean? Before I give you the example of the question asked Corinne Jean-Pierre yesterday on this very subject, I want to play you the closest thing Joe Biden has given to an interview in quite some time. He had, they had the Easter egg roll over at the White House where they let a bunch of kids come out and they roll Easter eggs and Biden stands on the balcony and waves at them. Well, Al Roker was allowed on the balcony. It's really pathetic. I mean, Al Roker, I don't know what the, Al Roker is not a journalist. Al Roker isn't even a meteorologist. He's a TV personality. He's a suck up. He's sitting there calling Jill, Dr. Jill, Dr. Biden, Dr. Like, oh my God. I'm embarrassed for you. Have some dignity, Al. Have some dignity. You got more days behind you than you do in front of you. At some point in your life, for the love of God, get some dignity. But that was not to be yesterday. He did ask about whether or not Joe Biden was going to run again, a little bit, asking about how many more Easter egg rolls that he wants to see. And Joe Biden, even with this playful interview with somebody who has Joe Biden's best interests at heart. He's on the team. Joe Biden still sounds like a half-dead idiot, confused about what's going on. I told you there's two Joe Bidens, one where the pills are working, where he sounds like he used to sound a little bit close as an 80-year-old man can sound like the way he used to sound. And other ones where he just kind of mumbles and you you get that feeling everybody's dealt with somebody where they're forcing themselves to stay awake. That's the Joe Biden you get right here.
And it's, you know, talking about possibility of running again. And he plays this cutesy game. It's just, it's bizarre all around. You can see why they don't let reporters anywhere near Joe Biden. Are you saying that uh, you would be uh, taking part in uh, our upcoming election in 2024? Well, I'll either be rolling egg or you know, being the, the, good, you know, the guy who's pushing them out. Come on, help a, bro- help a brother out. Make no, some news no, for no, me. No. I, well, I, I plan on running now, but we're not prepared to announce it yet. All right. I would be the one that's rolling the egg or the, the one that's pushing them out. Hmm. Now I plan on running again, but I'm going to... Are you drunk? It's like 10 o'clock in the morning, Joe, and I know you're supposedly a teetotaler, but when you, as somebody who's recognizes and seen his father go through changes in medication, and you get that sort of slur before... There's a there's an adjustment period to a body when you're taking off this one and going on another one, and it causes you to lose... Your body's not used to it, your energy gets weird you get a little confused you get a little foggy headed and you you kind of slur some things together just a little bit just a little bit you're not drunk but but can you kind of you're saying some things and then you're just not saying some things and like yeah right right am i right that kind of stuff that's what joe biden is you can see why they won't let him near reporters except I mean, you can't call Al Roker a reporter. Not that anybody in the White House press corps is all that better than Al Roker. Like, well, can't we get in front of the hard-hitting... Remember when Obama's last press conference when he was asked by the New York Times, you get a chance to ask the president, what has enchanted you most about this experience? You have blessed us with your presence for so long. What has enchanted you the most about being president of the United States and our Lord and Savior, Barack Obama? So it's not like you're really maybe maybe Biden could make an argument or the White House could make an argument they're trying to keep reporters away from Joe to avoid reporters embarrassing themselves. I hadn't thought of it in those terms. But anyway, listen to this exchange where Karen Jean Pierre claims no 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 Joe 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 takes questions all the time all the time, more than anybody ever. And the second question has to do with the lack of a press conference during the president's upcoming trip and the lack of press conference that we see in general from this White House. I represent a news organization that owns 113 television stations and a question that I'm often asked and I don't know the answer to, so I'll ask you that question. Uh, Is the administration trying to protect the president from our questions? Uh, Please, I answer that question. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. So why the lack of any interaction in a formal setting to have a press conference? Uh, I mean, the president takes shouted questions. I I understand, John. I understand. I understand. I have dealt with this question about three times already. I understand. It is it is it is uh, the job of you all to ask this question to me. Totally get that, and that's not a problem at all. Um, but c- certainly, uh, the president many times has. Has, stand, has stood in front of all of you, has taken questions uh, on his own because he wanted uh, to see what was all on your minds. He wanted to see what the questions you all were going to ask him, and he wanted to answer them directly. That has happened multiple times, many times, uh, during this administration, and that will certainly continue uh, to be. When it comes to a formal press conference, I don't have anything to share with you at this time. I don't know. You know we're not going to let you anywhere near the guy, okay? When it comes to a formal setting, we can't tackle him. We'd love to, but if he's walking out to the helicopter and he starts heading in your direction, we can't really run out there 
and uh, take his legs out from under him. <laughs> we'd love to. My God, we've, we've thought about hiring somebody to do that, but we can't. So you can, you can ask him shouted questions over the helicopter, and you see him. Most of the time, he just kind of does that old man escaping the nursing home shuffle toward the helicopter. You know that shuffle where he's like, he's not moving fast, or he's not moving quickly, but every part of his body's kind of moving fast, shuffling along just, I don't know why, I don't know how else to describe it. It's just really, really weird where the torso doesn't move all that much. Where the legs just kind of take these little, it's like watching a toddler take their first steps. Or I would say a toddler after walking for like a week. That's how Joe Biden goes out to the helicopter. And every once in a while, when the meds semi-kick in, he does wander over to where the press is. They ask him questions. He makes inappropriate jokes. That's where he's made inappropriate jokes about mass shootings and children dying and things like that. He's really kind of a creepy guy when he's out there. And so you see, that's why they don't want reporters anywhere near him. Either he says something that's absolutely insane that they have to later correct. I don't think any president has had more, quote-unquote, clarifications issued by staff. There's even stories, amazingly, there's stories about how he gets mad that his staff offers clarifications for him. But there's no real questions about is mental fitness from these people. And these are people these are people these are staffers who are talking to reporters who are fully on board. Everybody involved is on board and they're going we need clarification on did the president really mean what he plain, plainly said and uh, they go no 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 our policy hasn't changed. Really? Cuz the president just declared something that's exactly contrary to what the policy was in, in but the policy hasn't changed. He was speaking in his personal capacity as a senile octogenarian. He was not talking about it as president of the United States or something. And you sit there and you wonder why they won't let him near anybody with a press pass, even friendly press pass. That's why. Now I want to shift to an an incontinent, probably, president of the United States to... What happened in Tennessee? Because this is this is an abject lesson in how the media works. It's kind of funny because right now there are a bunch of stories about how the two Justins, the two Justins have made things. They've become celebrities. Republicans wanted to burden them. They wanted to boot them out of the, the legislature. But they've made celebrities out of them. Now, it's funny because... The very people who actually made celebrities out of these backbench and, frankly, worthless uh, members of the Tennessee legislature are the reporters themselves. There's no reason on God's green earth that this should be national news except for that the leftist media loves abortion. They love abortion. They get aroused by abortion. That's what they need. In order to get somebody into a position to want an abortion, the left needs to talk about abortion. That gets them going. Forget foreplay. And they uh, they created, like, well, the, the GOP inadvertently made stars out of these. No, you did. You guys did. And it wasn't inadvertent. You did it. The Justins. 
Justin Jones and uh, Justin, whatever the hell the other guy's name is. One guy does a poor man's impersonation of Denzel Washington doing a, a, a good impersonation of Malcolm X. And the other one, he, um, Justin Jones, reminds me of the characters that Damon Wayans and uh, can't remember who the other guy was. Played on in living color. Remember when they would say things and they'd use the wrong words or omit words, and but they were trying to sound smart? It reminds me of that. Listen to Justin Jones, who's now back, by the way. The idea that uh, these expulsions were ever going to be permanent is a media myth. The people of these districts were going to be able to send back whoever they wanted to replace these guys booted out. So, of course, they were dumb enough to elect these people in the first place. They're going to be dumb enough to reelect them. They'd become minor celebrities within the state. They didn't count on the media coming in and making them heroes like they cured cancer or something, but they uh, made them minor heroes in the state. They were going to be sent back in a special election pretty quickly. And the one case of Justin Jones, he's already back because the municipality that he represents is able, according to their constitution in the state of Tennessee, to send somebody there temporarily until the special election to fill the seat. So there's somebody being there. And they sent back Justin Jones. Everybody involved knew this, but the reporters, the media are going, the Republicans didn't count on this. Yeah, they did. Ultimately, the expulsion will be a slap on a wrist. Because that's really the most that you can offer anybody in these circumstances. But it is a slap on the wrist that is well-deserved because they were clearly violating the House rules by engaging in a protest with violent protesters from the floor of the State House. But because the media is so pathetic and deserving of every single bad thing and more that can be visited upon a human being. They have made celebrities out of these guys. And Justin Jones was on Good Morning... They were both actually on Good Morning America. And here's Justin Jones. Listen for the... Pay close attention to how he speaks, and you will hear somebody who isn't particularly smart. Just put it that way. You can be savvy, politically savvy, and not be particularly book smart. Nothing against not being book smart. Lived most of my life that way. But you just have to sit there and you go, this, because they're elevating them as some kinds of geniuses when they're propping them up. Look how tall this person is, says the person who hoisted them on their shoulders. And you go, wait a second, they're not really not really that tall you're you're holding them up no 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 they're they're super tall that's what the media is doing listen to his word choice and what he says Representative Jones, when did you realize that you, you may actually lose your job over this? I think the escalation that we saw was when the House Speaker Cameron Sexton went on national news and lied and compared this to January 6th insurrection. That was the escalation where we started hearing these calls for expulsion because he, he, he mischaracterized what we did in a, a protest to try and end gun violence with the violent uh, you know, events on January 6th. Mm, he's leaving some, some words out there, not particularly bright, but he's talking about the escalation, escalation of the Republicans. They're talking about, he went on national news 
and he was talking about this. Hmm, I don't remember that, but okay, whatever. That's when you realize that flagrant flouting of the rules um, might lead to consequences. It might. It might. But you got to love the media here and the way that they report on this and then the way they ignore the history. Since Justin Jones wants to talk about the escalation of the GOP and how they took a sweet, sweet, nourishing little simple protest and made it into something about race and about everything. Let's just, I mean, for fun, for fun, go back and take a look at Justin Jones shall we? Justin Jones from the Hindu Post, April 10th, 2023. Headline, Black Democrat lawmaker Justin Jones uses racial slur brown face of Indian supremacy for Republican lawmaker Sabi Kumar. Wait a second, Justin Jones using a racial slur? Well, it's why hasn't this been a subject of a segment on Joy Reid's show? Well, because Joy Reid is a racist, see? And she also subscribes to the liberal belief that black people can't be racist because they have no power, even though this guy's a a state lawmaker. Somehow he's the one state lawmaker without any power. The story, an Indian-American lawmaker serving in the Tennessee House of Representatives has said recently that expelled... Recently expelled Democrat hurled a racial slur at him, calling him, quote, the brown face of Indian supremacy, end quote. Sabi Kumar, 75, told Fox News that during a debate in the State House, uh, Democrat Justin Jones, 27, shoved his finger in his face and said, quote, Kumar, they will never accept you. Well, that doesn't sound like he's got racial animus at all. They will never accept you. The remarks against Kumar came just before the Tennessee House of Representatives voted to expel Reps Jones and Pearson from the legislature for their role in a protest calling for gun control after a shooting at a private school in Nashville that killed six people. What we really need is trans control because that uh, is who's been perpetrating these things. And no, by the way, the guy who engaged in the shooting in the bank yesterday, killing five people, also had his, his pronouns listed in his bio. So Louisville killer pronouns listed in his bio. Now his pronouns were he, him, but that just means he's an ally. He's been indoctrinated. Can't quite be down with wearing the dresses and tucking it back and dating dudes, but he's as close as you're going to get. And if you keep working on him, well, he's dead now, rotting in hell. But if they'd kept working on him, they might have gotten him. But we aren't done with Justin Jones yet, the victim here of the evil, evil white racist Republicans there in Tennessee who, but there's a picture of Justin Jones, but this picture isn't when he was a representative. It's weird. The caption, hmm, Justin Jones is arrested by state troopers in the governor's office as he and others stage a sit-in for Medicaid expansion. Okay, that's April 11th, 2017. 2017. The headline, Activist Justin Jones Banned from State Capitol After Alleged Assault on Speaker Glenn Casada. Wait a second. Assault? This guy's the salt of the earth. He's a hero. He's a victim of racism of all those evil Republicans. Huh. 
A protester, this is a story from the Tennessean, a protester behind a series of recent demonstrations at the Tennessee State Capitol has been banned from the building in order to have no contact with House Speaker Glenn Casada after being charged Thursday with assault. Justin Jones was charged with two counts of misdemeanor assault and one count of disorderly conduct after authorities say he threw a cup of hot coffee in the elevator, striking Casada and Representative Deborah Moody, Republican of Covington. So wait a second. He threw hot coffee at the Republican Speaker of the House and a female Republican member of the House of Representatives, but he's here. I have not heard this once. Once about Justin Jones. I've never seen Justin Jones questioned about this. Hey, why did you decide to, you know, attack a woman? Why did you decide to physically attack a woman? Well, he, uh, I don't know. Doesn't know. Well, we don't know. He's never been asked, actually. Jones, a Vanderbilt University divinity student. Uh, divinity student, so he must be studying government. No, it's a joke. That's what Democrats view government as. Uh, and more than a dozen other protesters assembled outside the House chamber on Thursday to protest the bust of Nathan Bedford Forrest, a Confederate general and early Ku Klux Klan leader and Democrat. But that's not weirdly mentioned in this. According to arrest documents, Jones, quote, attempted to push his way past uniformed state troopers as he approached the elevator while yelling, Casada is a racist. Doesn't he sound? He sounds like a real typical Democrat. You can see why they've adopted him. Jones is then accused of throwing a paper cup, a paper to go cup filled with an unknown liquid believed to be hot coffee into the elevator. The liquid hit Jones and Moody, though no injuries were probably hit them on the clothes. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> He claimed that, it, no, 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 it wasn't coffee, it was iced tea. It wasn't hot coffee, it was iced tea. Iced tea contains ice. Was there ice? Because iced tea contains ice. And also, they're very distinct in their smell differences, are they not? I would be able to, I don't, I don't really drink either, although I'd be more inclined to drink hot tea than, than coffee. But I can certainly tell the difference between coffee and just about any other smell. A magistrate on Thursday ordered that Jones have no contact with Casada or Moody, nor return to Cordell Hull Legislative Office Building or the state capitol until the case is complete. He was released after posting $4,150 in bonds. Last week, Jones disrupted a House Republican news conference on health care while trying to get Casada's attention, and the week before, he let a sit-in in Casada's office with other students. So, he sounds like a real pain in the ass, doesn't he? Sounds like a real jackass. Now, it's funny because these little Nazis are running around doing what? They're saying, this is what democracy looks like. Where it's a threat to democracy to hold us to rules. It's a threat to... There is about... I mean, the Republican governor of the state of Tennessee won by 32 percentage points. How blue do you think the state really is? How many Democrats... How much Democrat support do you really think the state has in a state where the Republican governor wins by 32 percentage points? And there are, what, 74 state senators who are Republicans and six who are Democrats. How much support do you think Democrat 
policy positions actually have in Tennessee. Somewhere around 20 to 30 percent. And yet these little Nazis, there's no other word for it, they're fashion. I guess you'd call them communists. It doesn't really matter. They're all different sides of the same coin. They run around and scream, this is what democracy looks like. In fact, as Jones was heading back to the state house after being reinstated by his worthless city council, uh, they had a chance. They had a chance to correct themselves. And they go, eh, you know what? Screw it. Um, there was a mob walking with them of a bunch of left-wing goons who civics knowledge, I don't know, I assume was, they didn't even get to the schoolhouse rock version of civics knowledge. They were chanting, this is what democracy looks like. And okay, in that individual case, you could make that argument. His constituents are plentiful and dumb, and they elected him. But you have to look beyond that. He is not advocating for what democracy looks like. He is, in fact, advocating for what tyranny looks like. He represents a distinct minority of the citizens of Tennessee. He is in a party that the citizens of Tennessee have overwhelmingly told to go to hell. We do not want your ideals. And just because you can get a bunch of high school students to show up at a protest doesn't change that electoral reality. Democracy is majority rule. Republicans have a super majority. Denying these fascistic little goon squads their will is, in fact, exactly what democracy looks like, not the contrary. doesn't matter what color the skin is of the people screaming fascism, streaming for totalitarianism. It's still totalitarianism. Since we're talking about morons, let us talk about Joy Reid, shall we? God, she's just an awful creature. She really is one of the worst. Look, you could say what you want, and the left says everything about everybody on the right, everybody on Fox News. Oh, my God, Republicans. Tucker Carlson, he's the worst person. He's a liar. He's a this. He's a that. He's the other thing. You call him whatever you want. Nobody gives a damn, but and Tucker isn't going, how dare you call me mean things? He doesn't care. He couldn't care less. But they, uh, he isn't a race-baiting piece of garbage. There aren't people out there on Fox, and I have my problems with most of the people on Fox, but there aren't people out there on Fox that deliberately go out there and just make stuff up in the hopes of starting you know violence in, in hopes of inciting people in hopes of keeping people ignorant people who just bring bile and vitriol you could say tucker makes everybody hate now tucker you could argue that maybe the result of what tucker says is that but he's not out there calling people fat stupid they want people dead they want to kill this they want to do that it's not the shtick you watch hannity and it is not Sean Hannity giving a fiery speech about how this group or that group or these people are trying to kill and blah, 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 and you must be prepared to strike back at them. But that's just not how it is. The left interprets it that way because, well, they're stupid. The people on television on the left want to justify their own vitriol, so they accuse the right of engaging in it. Because then they're just responding. They're just responding to it.
But you will not find anything remotely equivalent to what you hear on a regular basis on MSNBC. You won't hear it on Fox in any way, shape, or form. You just won't. You don't hear somebody going, well, Democrats really love murdering babies. They love murdering babies. They love murdering people. They actually enjoy, in a weird, tingly way, in their naughty bits, all of the murders going on in Chicago, or else why wouldn't they try to stop it? Why wouldn't they do anything? Now, you could make that argument. It could be a sick fetish of these Democrats that they love piles of dead black young men. They love it. They control everywhere it happens, uninterrupted for decades, and they haven't done a damn thing about it. So you you think if they didn't like it, at least a little, they'd do something to try and stop it. Instead, what are they doing? They're releasing from prison people who are terrorizing black neighborhoods. And you think, well, that doesn't uh, that doesn't make any sense. If you say you want to help the black community, unless you believe that the black community is almost exclusively criminals, which to my mind, I don't know, I'm a layman at this, but it sounds pretty damn racist to me right? <laughs> Crime is committed because of skin color. That's what they do. You can't, we need to decriminalize crime because black people simply cannot help themselves. Really? How about education? Maybe a little bit of expectations, a little bit of encouragement rather than straight up, you're never going to get ahead. Whitey's going to stop you. But Democrats don't care. MSNBC doesn't care. They are race-baiting trolls that really only care about political power for their ideology and more zeros in their bank accounts. Which brings us back to Joy Reid, who for some reason has dyed parts of her hair blonde. You can tell the more colors somebody has fakely created down their head, the more unstable they are mentally. There was some, I was watching some news report on... Um, what was it? it was on the, the Tennessee two, the Tennessee two step, and it was about the trans killer, and they always gloss over the fact that it's a trans killer. And then there was some other report about another leftist who was facing a hard time, and the person whose um, testimony they they is a news report, so they had like B roll of other people and other things going on, and then they cut to somebody being a character witness for this uh, trans person. I think it was blowback against Budweiser or something. Whatever it was, sitting there is the... No, no, no. I remember it now. It's the uh, military member who uh, shot and killed a Black Lives Matter protester down in Texas. You might be thinking, why? why the, uh, the governor of Texas is looking to pardon this guy. Why hasn't this gotten more news attention? It's because the guy he shot and killed is white. The media, they they don't show you the, what the victim looks like because that would be inconvenient. But they also don't really talk about it all that much because how does that help them? If you talk about it more, then people are going to wonder, why the hell aren't you uh, showing the victim here? They show his fiance in one report. His fiance was a black woman, but it, it, the victim was a white guy. Not, not helpful. But in the package... The witness, quote-unquote, that they managed to dig up, I think it was on NBC News, to talk about how this guy wasn't pointing his AK-47 as a 
at the uh, the guy who killed him. He was pointing it down. Has got blue hair. The guy with blue hair. Like once your 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 character witness is somebody who is engaging in things they should have grown out of just after puberty. Once that that's the best you've got, because you know they looked long and hard to find somebody who didn't look like a complete moron. Um, you lost me. You lost me. It's it's as much about the individual as it is about the people around the individual. And you can tell a lot by somebody who you know the people who rally to the support to the side of other people. Chastin Buttigieg, for example. Yes, Chastin Buttigieg. I don't know what Chastin's maiden name was, but to take on Buttigieg. Why didn't Pete take on... Why didn't they double hyphenate? What's going on? Chastin Buttigieg is um, probably running a consulting business, probably making a bunch of money uh, as a consultant, quote-unquote, people just throwing money at him. And he spends a lot of time on social media because he watches the nanny raise their kids at home all day. And is uh, he took to Twitter and says, "If you're upset about this is about the Bud Light thing, if you're upset about a beer company supporting civil rights, you might want to start bottling your tears." LGBTQ people drink water too. Gonna boycott that next. <laughs> no. Chastin, we're going to put Budweiser out of business. Budweiser, by the way, is seeing a crash. Distributors are unhappy, and uh, people have really stopped buying. Still, don't buy any Anheuser-Busch products. Stopping doing it isn't enough. Saying they shouldn't have done it in the first place and pledging never to do it again is what's needed here. So stop buying Anheuser-Busch stuff. There's enough beer out there, and there's horrible beers out there that would still be better than Budweiser and Bud Light. But are you going to bottle your tears next? LGBTQ people drink water too. You don't have Deer Park saying you can use their their bottles in your bedroom when you're done and little children can become whatever gender they want and all that stuff. They're not doing that. That's the difference, Chastin. I realize that growing up with your name had to have been a horrible experience. It turned you into a horrible person. But you can't honestly be this stupid, can you? And you think that that's what this is about? Anyway, back to other horrible people. Joy Reid and her, she dyed her hair blonde, partially blonde, which to my mind is cultural appropriation since that, since, you know, if you braided your hair, if you're a woman, you braided your hair, you'd be charged with cultural appropriation by one of these Marxists. That why isn't it the same way when she dyes her hair a color that would not occur in nature? She also, by the way, combs it straight down like Mo from the Three Stooges, which again is more a cultural appropriation. Not only for white guys, which Joy kind of looks, she's built like a little bit of a linebacker, but it's also a Jewish cultural appropriation. Mo Howard, man. He's one of the chosen people, so it's ridiculous. Anyway, she had on a guy named Jeff Jeff uh, Shartlett. I'm not making that name up. That's how it's pronounced. S-H-A-R-T-L-E-T. Um, he's an American academic journalist and author. Now, I love it when people's biographies are that. 
That means that they're not really any of those things. Is an academic. Okay. Where? Uh, well, he's taught at various places. Okay, but where does... Like, to be an academic... Where? No, 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 no. Academic, we just mean that he's smart. Okay. Okay, I... I, I guess. <laughs> Journalist. Where's his stuff up here? Uh, you know, he's got a blog. Oh, all right. He's written... He's had his byline in a couple of left-wing rags. Again, not exactly a journalist, but okay, you know, bloggers can be journalists too. That's fine. And uh, author. Okay, he is an author. In that sense, he has written books, so he is an author. But they never really go into the details on these things, do they? They just throw these as an academic. What does that mean? It just means he's an academic. It means that he's smart. Stop talking about stuff, right? Shut your mouth. Stop asking questions. Anyway, they were on talking about evangelicals. <laughs> it is, um, they hold evangelicals, they hold Christians, they hold anybody who won't conform in absolute contempt and believe they are evil. Evil. Don't take my word for it. Listen to them say so. Let's just go to abortion for a second. Fascinating uh, poll, set of polls. Every other religious group other than Latter-day Saints, the Mormons, white evangelical Protestants and Jehovah Witnesses, you know, or at least at 44 percent and saying, no, abortion should be legal. You go through the Buddhists, the universal universalists, you know, the white Catholics even are at 62 percent right down there at the bottom are just these three groups. And white evangelical Protestants have disproportionate power in the United States, and they're using that power to try to take away women's liberty over their own body and to get more and more and more guns. One, they call that pro-life, and on the other hand, what do they call that? Because they seem to be very enamored of things that make death. You know, uh, they call the, the the right wing evangelicals call the left culture a call a death cult, and we call them a death cult sometimes too, right? I mean, they love guns, but really, it's an innocence cult. This idea of the fetus untouched by history. This is when we deny history, we deny the existence of race, and then we combine it with the gun, which is the force to protect this so called purity, this white purity myth. I almost imagine that. There's got to be a flag, and I've been sort of collecting and documenting these these fascist flags for a while with a gun and a baby and a fetus. This is the ultimate ideology that they're preaching. Those two things they experience is not at odds, but as reinforcing one another, the innocence of the child and the gun that protects it, Uh, which is terrifying. And I, well, one of the things that I do find actually interesting is that the, once the fetus is out, then they don't give a damn. Like, they're just like, then it can die. Then it can starve. We don't care. <laughs> then the fetus is out. Then it can die. Then it can starve. They don't care. Well, when was the last time a child starved to death in this country? And uh, which party do you suspect controls that region? Where is it? where the infant mortality rate is highest. It's not because of racism. Guns are the number one killer of children. Hey, yeah, that's true. Um, What are you going to do about it? Do you want to teach morality? No, you can't teach morality. What are you talking about teaching morality? Sit down, churchy. They project onto their political opponents their worst attributes so as to try to justify their own sickness 
I'm trying to think of a good way to put it. Their own sickness. That's it. Those white evangelicals, they don't care about the baby. Yeah, no, there's there's no, you know, no Catholic church groups, no evangelical charities whatsoever designed to help people in their time of need. Meanwhile, the federal government has spent, what, $20 trillion in the war on poverty over the past 50 years? And how did that work out? They stamped out poverty, right? Isn't that how? And they not only stamped out poverty, but their education system in areas that are controlled by Democrats, where people are overwhelmingly low income. Well, those are, that's the best education system in the world. So that generational poverty ends with each new child born right joy isn't that how it works no that's that's not how it works it's weird Meanwhile, so you got joy reed sitting there and this is how you know msnbc and nbc news that they employ this creature have zero standards they have absolutely no standards she says oh they did they would they want the babies born so they can slowly torture them to death be shot and stabbed and die or whatever um then she goes on to say that they want their friend now you would think it'd be dangerous to know a republican if if this were true they want your children to starve to death and they want you to die at the hands of an assault rifle as if somehow mirage and they always do this when they personify the inanimate object like the assault rifle has first of all that an assault rifle is a thing but secondly that it has hands and is responsible for its own actions and not the person who's carrying it. Anyway, listen to this, Jim. Tennessee Republicans drew the eyes of the world on their state only to expose their own Orwellian tactics to an international audience while crowning the Tennessee Three, particularly Justin Jones and Justin Pearson as heroes, as role models for the next batch of young civic leaders who are sick of being led by people who clearly don't give a damn if they or their friends die a painful, gruesome death at the hands of an assault rifle. <laughs> they don't give a damn if they die a gruesome and painful death at the hands of an assault rifle. Well, if that were the case, Joy, I would consider you one of my best friends. Oh, that's mean. That's Yeah, whatever. It's a joke. So is she. But you can tell that NBC News which employs that creature, has zero standards whatsoever, no decency whatsoever. You can't, it is to the point that it is irredeemable. NBC as a brand, without a massive uh, change in leadership, that they simply, the, the, the stockholders, for whatever reason, seem content to watch their money be used to subsidize this so without a massive stockholder revolt there it, it is irredeemable that network they have no decency no standards everything you just heard there was not only false false isn't even the right word for it it was garbage it was just a it was personal vitriolic you would have thought that that Republicans had refused to ask her to prom or stood her up on prom night or whatever. The, it's, it's personal, which I, I frankly wouldn't blame him. Who the hell would want to ask her out? Like I say, she's built like a linebacker. Nobody wants to take that to prom. But it is a testament to a once great institution. NBC News is one of the storied institutions 
of American journalism, and NBC itself is one of the storied institutions of American life. But I now don't even, it's not that I don't watch NBC and or MSNBC. Every once in a while, I do flip on MSNBC to see what's going on in the enemy camp, and I recommend you check it out so you can see this sort of ridiculousness and maybe better combat this sort of fascism on a personal level with your friends before they fall prey to it. But when it comes to entertainment, where the real money is, because MSNBC is not super profitable. It's profitable, but it's not super profitable. I don't watch NBC at all. I don't watch any of the broadcast networks, to be honest with you, with the exception of maybe at Fox when Family Guy is new. Otherwise, I just don't do it. I will not feed the beast. I will not provide ammunition to my enemies. And we have to come to the realization, each one of us individually, that they are not any longer simply our political opponents. These people, sadly, are our enemies. As you watch these people, you watch these politicians, the Democrats are normalizing the abnormal and trying to criminalize the normal, trying to criminalize decency, trying to criminalize all sorts of things. It is a sickness, and it's all under this administration and, frankly, under the previous administration, under the Trump administration. I'm not saying the Trump administration encouraged it, but the president should have probably taken a little less time arguing with Jim Acosta, which was sure fun to watch, but not particularly productive. He should have taken a break from that and had people around him who were paying attention to what the hell this government was doing or capable of and the sorts of people that it had in there and fired them. I know he gets a lot of credit for draining the swamp, but the swamp is still neck deep. It might even be deeper. So I'm not sure what credit he gets for that. And uh, I'd like to hear some specifics before I hitch my wagon to him to find out what he's going to do differently this time because a lot of, well, everybody who's engaged in horrible behaviors was there when he was president or appointed by him, like FBI Director Christopher Wray. It is... um, Disturbing, to say the least. This from National Review. As part of its effort to identify extremists in the Catholic Church, the FBI recruited at least one undercover employee to, quote, develop sources among the clergy and church leadership, end quote. Representative Jim Jordan of Ohio revealed Monday. Jordan, the chairman of the House Judiciary Committee, issued a subpoena demanding FBI Director Christopher Wray testify and provide more information to Congress about the federal agency's intelligence-gathering initiative targeting Catholic Americans. Now, this goes back to what Democrats have been insisting in Ray. For Ray to sit there and go, well, we're a non-political agency. We're apolitical. We don't do- Joe Biden and his senile SOBs over there, the, the gang that couldn't think straight, they have declared Christians, white Christians. They don't have a problem with black Christians or brown Christians, but Christians, white Christians, as being the biggest terroristic threat. White supremacy is the biggest threat to our democracy. Now, they never answer why or how, how. How is this possible? They don't have to. They make those allegations in front of a willing, cheering audience of leftist Democrats who 
naturally hate Christians anyway. They don't like the competition with government for their God. They don't like the confusion that comes with it. So they just uh, sit by and embrace this insanity. And you can sit there and say, well, the biggest threat is white Christian nationalists. What is that? What is a white Christian nationalist? Ask somebody. Well, they're somebody who's white, obviously, and they're Christian. Uh huh. Yeah, good. And they uh, they're nationalists. Well, what does being a nationalist mean? That they like the United States of America? Well, yeah, technically, yeah. But you know what? That that's really what it means. Nationalist. What are you nationalist? Well, you 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 favor your country over other countries. How's that a threat? It's only a threat to people who don't like this country, right? And that would be the entirety of the Democrat Party. But don't think too hard about those sorts of things. When you have an FBI director telling you that white Christian nationalists are the biggest threat to the country, that person needs to be fired. We have terrorism in this world. And believe it or not, as much as the left finds liking this country or viewing this country favorably they as much as they find that to be detestable and disgusting and make no mistake they do find it to be detestable and disgusting it is legal it is allowed you are allowed to hold beliefs that the political left that your political opponents don't like swear to god look it up and so unless you are actively involved in a group that is in the midst of and engaged in the regular execution of American citizens, I don't really think that you are a terroristic threat. You are a political inconvenience. To call that a terroristic threat is to politicize political differences, to criminalize political differences, to try to use the power of government to prevent political disagreement there's a uh, there are a couple forms of government i can think of that generally favor that business model none of which would be described as democracy but all of which are advocated for by people who once again chant regularly in unison this is what democracy looks like seems a little weird doesn't it quote this shocking information reinforces our need for all responsive documents, and the committee is issuing a subpoena to compel you for your full cooperation, Jordan complained, claimed in the letter. Americans attend church to worship and congregate for their spiritual and personal benefit. They must be free to exercise their fundamental First Amendment rights without worrying that the FBI may have planted so-called tripwire sources or other informants in their houses of worship, end quote, and amen. You can, in fact, get an amen for that. The Weaponization Committee demanded that the FBI turn over information related to its investigation of Catholics after a former FBI agent leaked a memo entitled, quote, Interest of Racially or Ethnically Motivated Violent Extremists in Radical Traditionalist Catholic Ideology Almost Certainly Present. Uh, presents new mitigation opportunities, end quote. Now that's, isn't that lovely? How many FBI agents do you suspect that 
the Biden administration has, I don't know, tried to uh, insert into, say, mosques in Dearborn. Not that there's anything wrong with it. I'm not saying that. But if you're going to look, if you're going to go and attack people who are part of a religion who hasn't used their religion to attack the United States of America, that hasn't been used to attack the United States of America, then you, you might want to just peek at one that has. I lived in Dearborn. I never felt threatened or anything like that. People were very nice, blah, 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 all those qualities. But there is one group of people that belong to a religion that was hijacked by monsters. And we have a lot of people in that area, in that particular belief system that have been exposed as and convicted for funding less than savory behavior. I'm trying to put this as politely as possible. Yet I suspect that this FBI under this administration wouldn't even entertain the possibility. You shouldn't entertain the possibility if there isn't a specific threat, if there is no reason to. And in Catholicism, there is no reason to. In, in Islam, there really is no reason to. Unless you hear of something or you discover something, then you go in. But in Catholicism, there is no, well, they've been blowing up these buildings. They've been kidnapping businessmen and killing them. That's not it. There's an underground cabal. We got another statement from the radical Catholics for murdering everybody group. That's not what it is. There's not even a group over in the Middle East or in Rome, the bowels of the Vatican, who secretly are running terrorist cells across the country. Not at all. The real crime of these Catholics is disagreeing with progressive dogma. There was a time, believe it or not, that the concept of the federal government going after somebody and even just, oh, we're just putting out some fear. We're just looking. We're not accusing anybody of anything. We're just looking at it. That would have turned so many stomachs that the FBI director, if it were discovered that they didn't even know about this, if it were discovered that they did this, they'd be fired by the president. If it were discovered that this were going on in the FBI without their knowledge, they would fire everybody involved and then resign themselves out of shame. Now, I don't know, maybe Christopher Ray is bucking for a, a VP slot should Joe dump Kamala. As he just seems like a wildly obedient dog which if you for those of you who are uh, Trump skeptical Christopher Ray is the prime example and the perfect example of why that skepticism is warranted and why an explanation is needed because look FBI is not a cabinet director that resigns when they uh, the administration changes hands the fbi director is there for a 10-year post you can tell me all you want that he was recommended by good people you have to do your due diligence this isn't some sub deputy deputy assistant secretary of insignificance this is the director of the fbi you fired james comey and that should have been That should have been all you needed lesson-wise to go, the director of the FBI matters and you can't put some piece of garbage in there. You just can't. Shouldn't have been. Anyway. All right, I got a little bit more. Let's go to Karin Jean-Pierre. The White House yesterday was at... There's some... 
There's a push in this country. There's a push in this state. There's a push in probably your state to follow California's rules. We need to go and get more electric cars. We need to do this. We need to do that. Why it's for the planet. We're saving the planet and saving the children and blah, 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 blah. The problem is we don't have the materials to build all the batteries for the cars. We don't have the generation capacity to charge all of those batteries, even if we did have those batteries. And and since they're mandating all of this stuff, there is this amazing thing that happens. The Chinese communists watch what we're doing and they swoop in and they try to get involved. They try... Our Democrats mandate things and their fellow travelers in the Communist Party, a genocidal regime over in Beijing, they swoop in and they make money off of it. And then by proxy, the Biden family probably makes money off of it. Why? Because, well, they're in bed with the Chinese communists. But at some point, somebody should maybe go, hey, uh, Maybe if we're going to do this, if we're going to force Americans to engage in these sorts of things, we should make it so that our enemies don't benefit, right? Maybe we should look into what the Chinese communists are doing and, I don't know, try and put up safeguards against the Chinese communists profiting off of this. We don't do it in farm. We should do it in farming. They're buying up farmland left and right, but nobody seems all that concerned about that. Uh, this, which I don't know which is worse, Bill Gates buying up farmland or the Chinese communists buying up farmland. Six of one, half a dozen of another, I say. But it's also there when it comes to EV, electric vehicles. And the White House historic Karine Jean-Pierre was asked about this yesterday. And she doesn't have a damn clue. It wasn't in the binder. Nobody briefed her on it. She is not uh, intelligent enough to be able to speak on this in any way, shape, or form. But the exchange is rather telling and horrifying at the same time. On electric vehicles, um, you mentioned the investment. Some of the companies investing in EV battery plants here in the U.S. are Chinese companies. Uh, Is the administration doing anything to stop China from cashing in on green energy goals? I don't have anything to share on China specifically as it relates to electric vehicles. Uh, As you know, the president is committed to this. Uh, You see that in his Inflation Reduction Act. You see that in the bipartisan uh, uh, bipartisan, uh, uh, infrastructure uh, law, uh, which which is very, uh, very keyed in on making sure that uh, his his agenda on dealing with climate climate crisis uh, is dealt with. Uh, so don't have anything on China. You know our, our where we stand on China. We want uh, uh, competition, not conflict. Uh, that's where we have always moved uh, with China. Uh, you heard my colleague speak specifically on where that those rela- that relationship is. Uh, just don't have anything specifically on the electric vehicle. Chinese companies coming in and building EV plants it, Again, I just don't have anything specific as it relates to China electric vehicles. I just, I don't have, I don't know. There's nothing in my binder. Look, I can't be held responsible. I'm an idiot. I'm up here. I don't know. We don't care. Uh, yeah, what we're doing is benefiting the Chinese communists, but we don't give a damn because a lot of what we do up here benefits the Chinese communists. 
And what's good for the Chinese communists is good for Joe Biden. What's good for the Chinese communists means that the Chinese communists aren't going to release the information they have on Joe Biden that's bad for Joe Biden. So, yeah, yay diversity or something. I don't know what I'm supposed to say, but I'm in favor of it. I haven't given this a thought. You haven't given it a thought. The Chinese communists are swooping in. You're going to be profiteering off of Democrat regulation. I get you're committed to the cause. You think, or at least you need people to think that what you're doing is good for the environment. Okay, fine. Whatever. But it's benefiting financially the Chinese. Maybe, I don't know, stop it? Also, what's the point of, you know, remember during COVID, now that it's over, all the talk about the supply chain. Oh, the supply chain. We need the supply chain back here in the United States. Supply chain, supply chain, supply chain. Okay, we need crucial industries here in the United States. Okay, you've got that. They're going to start mandating and making batteries or whatever here. They're still going to need to get all the materials from slave labor, mostly in Africa, which China is making massive inroads and ingratiating themselves to these corrupt African nations. But okay, putting that even further aside, what's the point of controlling your supply chain? Or, well, what's the point of having your supply chain take place here if the people who control it are your enemies? Geography is just location. Yeah, well, we can seize those plants. You sure can. But the stuff that you put together in those factories to make the thing that you want... They also control that. They also control the digging up of that. They control everything of it. So having the last step in a 100-step process take place within your geographical boundaries, controlled by your enemies that you're supposedly going to save us from, is not super productive. Oh, it's super simple to look at and say, look, we've, we've brought back the manufacture of batteries here to this country. That's all well and good until you tick off the Chinese, until they invade Taiwan, and then they shut off the spigot. And then you've got a really nice factory ready to make batteries, but it can't because it doesn't have anything to make batteries out of. You see where I'm going with this? You see why everything this administration does is garbage? Because everything this administration does is garbage. We'll, we'll get to the, the story. That, I'll just give you the headline tomorrow. We'll do we'll, you know, Downtown San Francisco Whole Foods Closing a year after opening. You can guess why. Junkies, feces, and all that good stuff. But I didn't want to miss this story because... Uh, careful what you wish. I guess that's what file this under careful what you wish for. New York Post. The Big Apple has taken in an average of 90 migrants each day since July of last year. A crisis that has caused... The city uh, spending to balloon and forced Mayor Eric Adams to slash other agencies' budgets. The post is 90, 90, let's just say six months. So six times on average 30, it's 180 days times 90. That is 16,200 people in a city of 8 million people. Okay, inconvenient, whatever. Most of them, I'd imagine, have moved on or a lot of them have moved on, but what have you. Uh, New York City is a sanctuary city, which is why these people are showing up, which is why these people were being sent there. 
All they had to do was say, we're no longer a sanctuary city because they don't want it. They don't want these people coming. But eh, they can't do that because progressives are progressives first. Well, now the Adams administration is asking for $650 million from the federal government to help deal with the crush of illegal aliens. Now, 90 a day is a slow day for just about any Texas border town. It really is. If it's a stormy day, I suppose fewer people come. But it's an average day at a minimum for these Texas towns that don't have the population or the resources of New York City. And they're not sanctuary cities. So, yeah, choke on it, Eric Adams. Careful what you wish for. We're a welcoming city. I mean, but we want somebody else to pay for it. How about you just be law-abiding, boot them out? Huh? That would solve the problem. They might come around eventually. Anyway, as long as they suffer before then. We're out of time for today. That's mean, but whatever. We're out of time for today. I appreciate you listening. We'll be back to do it again tomorrow because the stupidity never stops. Have a great one. <laughs>